48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Todd Harding. The headlines. Chief Executive Carrie Lam has said the district councils are no longer functioning properly after over 200 pro-democracy members quit. Health authorities say they found no new COVID cases during a lockdown operation for a building on Staunton Street in Shengwan. And Beijing says it never engages in cyber thefts or attacks in response to Washington's accusations claiming it protected hackers. Chief Executive Carrie Lam has admitted that the district councils were no longer fully functional and representative after more than 200 members resigned. But she said the current government would not hold by-elections to fill the vacant seats as it has to organise the election committee subsector election, the legislative council polls and the CE election in the coming months. We do not feel there is um, sufficient room and time for another set of uh, by-election, especially of this magnitude because of the number of seats involved. I could say that it would be almost impossible for us to mount a by-election of any district council vacancies between now and the end of this term. That is the government's term, between now and June. Multiple councillors in all 18 districts quit this month amid rumours that the government will seek financial compensation from members who are disqualified under new oath-taking requirements. The chief executive has said even though she transcends the executive, legislature and judiciary, she would still face legal consequences if she carried out criminal acts. Despite this, Carrie Lam says she has, to come to un- she has come to understand that it would be unconstitutional for her to be subject to laws governing public officers' integrity. When she ran for CE in 2017, Mrs Lam made an election pledge to amend the Prevention of Bribery Ordinance, which prohibits public officers from soliciting or accepting advantages to include the chief executive as well. But she now says she will not make the legal change because it would undermine the chief executive's constitutional status. I'm not saying that the chief executive under that sort of constitutional role should be above the law. Of course not. If the chief executive commits offences under existing ordinances, especially criminal acts, uh, he or she will be held accountable and um, uh, face the legal consequences. But on an issue which deals with the sort of uh, the integrity uh, of the chief executive, I think it will be against the constitutional position to subject him or her to the local legislation which is supposed to be applied to the other uh, public offices. Prosecutors have told the trial of national security suspect Tong Ying Kit that he had incited others to commit secession and deliberately targeted the police to pursue his political agenda on July the 1st last year. Vicky Wong reports. The 24-year-old is accused of inciting secession, terrorism and an alternative charge of dangerous driving for allegedly driving his motorbike into police while flying a protest flag reading Liberate Hong Kong, Revolution of Our Times. In his closing speech, Acting Deputy Director of Prosecutions Anthony Chow said the defendant had clearly intended to incite others to commit secession by flying the protest slogan while driving from Kowloon to Wan Chai, where he was greeted with cheers by some onlookers. He said by driving his motorbike past four police check lines in Wan Chai despite repeated warnings, Mr Tong had committed terrorism and caused serious violence against police officers, injuring three of them. Mr Chow also challenged the research methods used by defence experts Francis Lee and Eliza Lee in their study of the meaning of the protest slogan, saying they were biased, unreliable and would not help the court to understand the meaning of the words. 
One of the founders of Occupy Central, Chan Kin Man, has gone to Taiwan to teach for a year. He'll be a visiting scholar at National Chengchi University, teaching courses on social movements and contemporary China. The sociology professor wrote on social media that he hopes to return to Hong Kong next year. Professor Chan was jailed two years ago for his role in the pro-democracy umbrella movement in 2014. He was released in March last year. The government has finished a compulsory COVID testing exercise at the Centrepoint residential building in Shenwan, where 185 residents were tested and no confirmed cases were found. Police sealed off the building on Staunton Street yesterday evening after a 27-year-old man who had come back from the US on Sunday tested preliminary positive for the L452R mutation. The man had lived in the block for about a week before going to the US on July the 4th. Epidemiologist Benjamin Cowling says a mainland travel bubble with Hong Kong could easily break down. The University of Hong Kong academic was speaking after officials said the SAR's vaccination rate could hit 70% by September, raising hopes of a reopening of borders after more than 18 months of disruption. Speaking to RTHK this morning, he said authorities here should aim for a higher vaccination coverage instead. And for opening the border with the mainland, I think that's going to be a fragile bubble. I think there will be times when it's open, but there'll also be times when it has to close again. And so I, I, I personally, I don't think that's a very good strategy or a very good target for Hong Kong to aim for because it's going to be fragile. I think if we can get a high vaccination coverage, then learning to live with the virus like they're doing in the UK might be a better longer term strategy. We have to do that sooner or later anyway. The government says it may not issue a vaccination record to a man who received two COVID jabs here after he reportedly didn't tell nursing staff he'd already been inoculated abroad. Robert Kemp reports. A government spokesman said the man's actions might amount to gaining benefits through deception and prosecution was being considered. He said Hong Kong's vaccine resources were precious and such behaviour was unfair to healthcare staff. He said the man had also put his own health on the line. Local media reports had said the man had wanted a local vaccination record. The spokesman also said health authorities here might be willing to give a second vaccine dose to arrivals who'd only received their first jab overseas. President Biden has accused China of protecting and accommodating hackers who carried out a major cyber attack this year that targeted Microsoft Exchange servers. The White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said the United States could take further action against Beijing. We are not holding back. Uh, We are not uh, allowing uh, any economic circumstance or consideration to prevent us from taking actions where warrant. And also, we reserve the option to take additional actions where warrant as well. This is not the conclusion of our efforts as it relates to cyber activities with China or Russia. A spokesperson for the Chinese embassy in Washington, Liu Pengyu, called the accusation against Beijing irresponsible. He said the Chinese government and relevant personnel never engage in cyber attacks or cyber theft. UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson's former senior adviser Dominic Cummings has made a series of damning new allegations about his handling of the coronavirus pandemic, accusing him of putting politics ahead of people's lives. In his first interview since leaving his job, Mr Cummings claimed that Mr Johnson justified his resistance to a second lockdown in autumn last year by arguing that the virus mainly affected very old people. His attitude at that point was a weird mix of partly... It's all nonsense and lockdowns don't work anyway. And partly, well, this is terrible, but the people who are dying are essentially all over 80. And we can't kill the economy just because of people dying over 80. In response, a Downing Street spokesperson said the Prime Minister had always taken actions necessary to protect lives, guided by scientific advice. 
Iraqi officials say at least 34 people have been killed and more than 60 others injured in a bomb attack in the capital, Baghdad. The homemade device exploded in a busy market in the mainly Shia Muslim Saira city district. Here's the BBC's David Bamford. This was Baghdad's deadliest bombing in six months, and it took place in the northern Sada city area, where Shia Muslims would have been out shopping for food to celebrate Eid al-Adha. The Shia community is a frequent target for jihadist militants who do not recognize their interpretation of Islam. The Islamic State group said it carried out the attack. There are reports of women and children among the victims. Several shops were set on fire. The Hungarian government has denied allegations that it used secret software bought from an Israeli company to gain access to the phones of its critics. An investigation by a group of media organisations named Hungary among 10 countries whose governments allegedly deployed the spyware against domestic critics. BBC's Nick Thorpe reports. The website Direct36, which was part of the investigation, said two of its reporters were targeted, among a total of 300 journalists, lawyers, business people and human rights activists in the country. In a statement to journalists, Foreign Minister Peter Siato said the government has no knowledge of this type of data collection and that the country's civilian intelligence agency did not use it. Opposition politicians have called for the National Security Committee of Parliament to be convened. To finance news, a short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 27,163. That's 318 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $73 billion. To currencies, the US dollar is trading at 109.38 yen. The euro is standing at 1 US dollar and 17 cents. And the pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 62 cents. Sports now, we start with the Tokyo Olympics, where the number of coronavirus cases in the athletes' village continues to rise just days from the start of the Games. A female member of the high-profile U.S. gymnastics team is one of the latest athletes to test positive for COVID. The U.S. Olympic Committee said the athlete, who tested positive at the team's training camp, was a reserve member, but one of her teammates has been identified as a close contact. Both athletes have been transferred to a hotel for quarantine, while the rest of the squad have moved to the athletes' village in Tokyo. The US gymnastics team are the two-time defending Olympic champions. They feature superstar Simone Biles, who's in Tokyo to chase an all-time record of Olympic and world medals. With the opening ceremonies just three days away, Dr Brian McCloskey, who has overseen the COVID countermeasures for the Games, insists the risk of the disease spreading during the event is minimal. All the measures that we have in place in terms of the physical and social distancing, the mask wearing and the hygiene uh, will reduce the risk of anybody spreading it on. You know, and we have to remember, particularly in relation to spreading outside the village, you know, the, the degree of contact between the international community inside the village and the local Japanese population outside is extremely small. Because as you know, the athletes aren't travelling around Tokyo, they're not using public transport. They're using designated transport to go from the village to their training or competition venues and back again. So the degree of separation is quite good. And that again gives us some comfort and reassurance that we will not spread events into the Japanese population. Uh, and within the village, the measures that we have in place through the playbook are what we know works in terms of reducing the risk of spread. On Monday, the Czech Republic beach volleyball player Andrei Perisic tested positive in the athlete's village two days after arriving in Tokyo from Prague. And over the weekend, two footballers from South Africa were the first competitors to test positive for the coronavirus in the village. 
To rugby union, the returning British and Irish Lions captain Alan Wynne-Jones has been declared fit for this weekend's first test against South Africa. Jones played 30 minutes in the Lions Tour win over the Stormers on Saturday, just three weeks after dislocating his shoulder in their opening warm-up match against Japan. Here's the Lions defence coach, Steve Tandy. Al, historically, he does uh, some pretty special things and I think he, I think he coming back from the autumn of the Six Nations last time, not off the back of a lot of rugby luck, he, he's fit, he's ready to go. Like it was only three weeks ago, you see the training he's been doing, he keeps himself in, in absolutely great shape so there'd be no, no issues there. Stuart Hogg says captaining the Lions in place of Jones was a proud moment. It was just a huge boost of confidence and I absolutely loved it. I loved the, the challenges that came with it. I loved the, the opportunity to, to lead an unbelievable squad. And I'm never going to be one that stands up and, and screams and shouts. I like to try and lead by the, by the way that I play. And at times I got it right, at times it, it didn't quite go, my, go to plan. I enjoyed the experience. I, I loved the opportunity. In football news, there's a new signing for Arsenal, while the former England star Andy Carroll is looking for a new team. More from the BBC's Paul Serras. Arsenal have completed the signing of Anderlecht and Belgium youth midfielder Albert Sambi Lokonga on a long-term contract. The fee is believed to be around $23.5 million. Lokonga made his first team debut in December 2017 and has gone on to make 78 appearances for Anderlecht, scoring three goals. The former England striker Andy Carroll is looking for a new club after leaving Newcastle United. His boss Steve Bruce says Carroll needs to go and play somewhere after his contract expired at the end of June but said his exit was amicable. Carroll was in his second spell with Newcastle, rejoining from West Ham in 2019, eight years after leaving for Liverpool for a fee of around $48 million. The arbitration hearing between Newcastle United and the English Premier League over the club's takeover has been adjourned until early 2022. It relates to disclosure of evidence which is understood to involve both parties. The news will be a huge disappointment to Newcastle fans who've been hoping that a Saudi-led takeover worth 410 million US dollars would end the reign of current owner Mike Ashley. Now the weather forecast, the strong wind signal number three and the amber rainstorm signal are in effect. There will be fresh, strong east southeasterly winds today. Seas will be rough with swells. It'll be cloudy with showers and squalls. The rain will be heavy at times with thunderstorms. Tomorrow we'll see showers, squalls and thunderstorms. Later this week there'll be less rain with sunny intervals. Currently the observatory, 25 degrees Celsius, relative humidity now 97%. And to end the news, the top stories once again. Chief Executive Carrie Lamb has said the district councils are no longer functioning properly after over 200 pro-democracy members quit. Health authorities say they found no new COVID cases during a lockdown operation for a building on Staunton Street in Shangwan. And Beijing says it never engages in cyber thefts or attacks in response to Washington's accusations claiming it protected hackers. The news from RTHK.
And welcome to the 123 show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Tuesday afternoon. A very rainy Tuesday afternoon. Tuesday, the 20th of July, is today's date. Many thanks once again to Phil for the morning brew, and a big thanks to Todd Harding sitting in for me yesterday. Thank you very much, Todd. I'm back into the hot seat, or should I say the wet seat, since a few uh, warnings right now. The strong wind signal, Typhoon number 3, is in force. So is the amber rainstorm warning. So is the thunderstorm warning and also uh, the special announcement on flooding in the northern New Territories. So if you're out and about, uh, do be careful. Perhaps uh, stay indoors and tune into the 123 show. Uh, This afternoon, we've got a busy program for you. We're starting the program by hearing about an upcoming performance performance called Carmen Hong Kong, uh, which is a classical opera and will be joined by Lucy Choi, who is a classically trained pianist, singer, and also the co-founder of More Than Musical, a local non-profit organization that aims to bring opera uh, closer to the public. And so Lucy will be joining us. Uh, she's no stranger of the 123 show. She's come on a couple of years before, so she'll join us uh, to talk to us uh, again in about 10 minutes or so. And after the two o'clock news, we'll be 
be chatting with Andrew Dembina, our food and drinks reporter, on a global update uh, of local and global food news. And finally, after 2.30, it's, it's an all-art.